You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Start playing with some jam in here. Let's go. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhard. Yes, this is episode 13 of Orange and Back Check. We are like 45 games into the season. The Flyers continue to struggle. I am Bill Kornfeld. Across from me, Scott Weinhardt. Scott, how's it going, man? I don't think it's fair to say that they're struggling. I mean, they went 1-1-1 this week. If you look at the grand scheme of things, yes, they have lost... Five out of six games and six out of their last seven. And that's what I'm looking at. And that's fine. But look at the past week. They went one, one, and one. They went from not winning any games in a week to winning now one, losing one, and losing one in overtime. So average. Exactly what the Flyers have been for the last five years, six years. 50% point production, you know, three out of a possible six points. But, hey, coming off a four-game skid, at least they got three points out of a possible six. That's better than it was the week before. And given the challenges this team now has with losing both Justin Braun and Shane Gostisbehere until after the All-Star break, at least. Um, I mean, hey, that's that's what they have to work with. It's going to be a little bit of a struggle train for them, but they're, I still think this team is a playoff team. And don't forget, you're also missing not just Oscar Lindblom, but a guy we haven't seen at all this season, and that's Nolan Patrick. And we talked about it in the pregame, or the pre-show of the pod. We haven't gotten an update from him for almost, for over a month. It was last, he had that media scramble with, uh, back in December 3rd, where he was pretty confident, Nolan Patrick I'm talking about, he was actually in front of the cameras, in front of the microphones. Um, I'm beginning to wane that, because... I said back on that podcast that if he's out in front of the media talking, saying how he's doing, I was pretty confident that he was going to be out there uh, at some point on the ice. Now I'm waning and thinking that we're not going to see this kid. And it's a real shame because this is not his fault. I mean, or, or this isn't part of what his history was prior to getting drafted, but this is part of getting his injury history and now he's adding these migraines that are relation to a concussion it's a real shame that we're not might not be seeing Nolan Patrick for the foreseeable future yeah it seems like he's got a lot of potential this kid and it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to really get as much out of it but the bright side is I believe he's 20 21 years old he's a younger guy so he does have a lot of years in front of him the important thing is though is his health to make sure that he gets past this first and once he does then I think he'll be okay. I mean, look, being the second overall pick in the draft is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, still, he's got a lot of talent. He's a good playmaker. 
He started to have glimpses of what he could do last year. He started putting points together, starting playing with a little consistency. But again, 20-year-old player, you're going to have those ups and downs like that. It's a shame right now with this migraine issue. I really hope he gets over it. But I think when Chuck Fletcher had a meeting, uh, a scrum a couple weeks ago, uh, he said there was no change on that. Um, There's been people talking about maybe shut him down for the year, but you don't want to just say, yeah, we're going to shut him down for the year now. Who knows? He could get over this in a couple of weeks or so. And if he does in like the next month and he can come back and he can start playing again, that really starts to shake up the roster a little bit in a sense where you don't have to go out and make or move at the deadline. So it's better sometimes to fill these guys in internally where you don't have to make a move and shake up the whole balance of your team. If he can add to that, then that would be very, very helpful. But we're, we don't know, and we'll have to see what happens in the next little while. Yeah, and that leads us to where the Flyers stand now. Obviously, they got shut out against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which I thought for the most of the game, I thought they were right there. They had some great chances in that third period. Uh, your boy Jake Voracek had a prime opportunity and just couldn't bury it. So just doesn't sound the- surprising to me at all. <laughs> so, but going into tonight, at the time of this recording, they're going to be playing Boston in a little bit. Uh, I believe it's at home. I don't have the schedule right in front of me. It is. They're in that. They're, they're, they have the next couple of games at home, and then uh, let's see, they have Boston at home. Then they'll play St. Louis on Wednesday. Then they come home to play Montreal on Thursday, and then on Saturday they play the Kings. And that, but then. Next Monday, they play Pittsburgh before the All-Star break, and then on the 31st, they head back to Pittsburgh. So it's good that you have the next couple games here to be home. Um, Boston, you know, if we can kind of touch on Boston a little bit, they've been a bit of an enigma because for a while there, they were looking like they were in bad shape. But this past week, I know we did our preview that they lost a lot of games. I believe it was 11 out of the last 15. They've won three straight now since that. So... So much for my big mouth and doing that preview, <laughs> put them in a spot where gave them a little extra juice. But and they're not their offense kind of woke up because they beat Nashville six to two, they beat Winnipeg five to four, and then they beat the Islanders in overtime. So uh, Boston's kind of getting their bearings. This time last week, it looked like it might be a good matchup for the Flyers. It could be tough one tonight, especially because you know that's the one team coming off a shutout too. Uh, you know that's the and I, I have to give the Flyers credit. We're we're, we're Almost, what, 50 games into the season now? And at game 45 was the first time they were shut out all season long. That's the first time I've seen this team do that in years. So, you know, I know they're jumbling the lines up, but the lose won nothing to the Lightning, who had won 10 straight after that game, then went on to lose to the Devils the next night of all teams. I, You know, I can't, I can't fault them too much. At game 45, you're shut out for the first time this season. I understand that you didn't score any goals, and you lost by one. It was one of those tight games. It is what it is. But Boston, Boston's going to give them a run for their money tonight, and they, they need to come through. The offense needs to wake up tonight. You can't have a one-two goal game. You're going to have to outscore them somehow. And that's leading to my point. They Vigneault has changed up the lines tonight. Uh, a little bit of shaking, really, on that top six, mostly. In the top six, people have been saying, fluttering it out there, that the bottom six has been the real issue. But I look at it the other way. This top six... For what the standards are, we have said time and time again, Claude Giroux is not the goal scorer on this team and never has been and never will be, but he is the score creator. And I think from Giroux all the way down, nothing has really gone right for this team in terms of offensive production. They Konechny is there, 
uh, creating five on five, but obviously, like, it's just, he seems to be the only consistent guy. He's just under a point a game. Giroux is right there with him, I believe, at 31 points, if I'm looking at it correctly. It just seems like this team is struggling offensively, and I don't know if that's uh, an adapt trying to get adapted to AV system, or is it just a slump year? Is it just the buildup of injuries that aren't like it's it's not a ton of injuries. It's not like the Philadelphia Eagles that just seemed like every week someone was going down, but the significance of those players who are going down. Gossespear, Connecting was out for a bit. Nolan Patrick is obviously out. It just seems like it's the significance of those injuries is really hurting the offensive production as a whole because there's no chemistry, and that's what you're seeing tonight with the change of lines. I don't think it's so much inconsistency. I, I actually believe it's balance. Call me crazy, and here's why. Would you rather have a bunch of guys contributing about the same points or one guy getting all the points? So come playoff time, I know I need to focus in on one guy, and that's pretty much it which is why Washington wasn't successful for a long time because Ovechkin was bagging all their points. Okay, well, I shut him down during the playoffs, and guess what? Nobody else knows how to score. They're not going to either. The point is is that, okay, when they finally got TJ Oshie and they actually bounced out and got a little more scoring depth, that's when they went and won a Stanley Cup. The point I'm trying to make is that Giroux, the reason why he's the best player is because he's your best playmaker. He's the best at distributing the puck. Voracek has the ability to do it, but his hockey sense quite isn't enough there, whether he gets brain lock, whether he shoots when he should pass, and he passes when he should shoot. Um, sometimes that's why Voracek is a little less... He, he could be right there and be a, just as good of a play driver, but he doesn't have the sense to be able to do it. I think that balance is a good thing. Now, I still believe from a hockey perspective, from a personnel perspective, they're still kind of recovering from Oscar Lindblom's loss. Like, look, this is a guy who was eating up a lot of minutes. He was on your second line. He was anchoring the wing. He was getting points by getting goals and scoring goals, and he was getting assists. He was he was actually a pretty decent force on the power play as well, good net front presence there. He replaced Wayne Simmons in that role. So you expected that production to climb, but you, it happens on every team. But at the same time, you take that production out. Now you're messing with the chemistry a little bit. I mean, look at it. Since Oscar Limbaugh has been taken out of the lineup for this, his medical treatment, by the way, it was awesome to see him at the Tampa Bay game last the other night. Awesome to see that ovation. But he's still in the top 10 in points on this team right now. He's eighth at 18 points. That's a problem. JVR, who is at 7th, he's just above him at 23, has gone completely extinct. Like It is very unlike JVR to have this low of production in terms of a hockey season. Now, I don't know if it's because he's on the other side of 30. I don't think that's the excuse because Claude Giroux, who's 32, is putting up his points. He's just on a down year. But guys like Michael Roffel, Scott Lawton, these bottom six guys that are part of the problem right now in terms of offensive production need to step up because there's no one else doing it. I we really when I talked about earlier about how the bottom six isn't the problem, it's really the top six. At the end of the day, it's all twelve. Like it, it's all twelve of these guys right now that no one's really consistently producing except for Travis Konechny. And even with Travis Konechny producing, it's not to the level. It's almost he's almost there. He's almost at the level he he needs to be at, as you've said in our pre-show pot or in our preseason podcast. He needs to be scoring a little bit more on the power play, and that's a fair criticism. But 
He needs to be about a point, a little bit over a point, and he's just under it. I need him right there. Okay, so what's my favorite F word? Flow. Flow, yes. What does this team not have right now? Oh, there's no flow whatsoever. There's no and that- flow. And you're absolutely right with that. because and, and the reason why is that, look, I have Scott Lawton as my third-line center. You brought in Kevin Hayes to anchor your second line. You had Couturier being your top-line center, which would have slid Patrick the third. Last year, JVR had success when he played with Couturier and when he played with Patrick. JVR, to go back to your point, is, is having a down year because he's a very, very, I wouldn't say one-dimensional, but he has a very, very certain style of a play. He likes to get in front of the net. He is a net front guy. He's not going to be a guy who's going to dangle in, come in off the rush, make a nice move, and you know have a snipe shot, bar down, that banks off the crossbar and in the net. That's the definition of bar down. And I'm curious to see him as the left wing for Lawton and, and, and Kubel tonight. That's going to be interesting to see, him drop down to that third line, him working with guys like Lawton and Kubel. Curious how that's going to work. Yeah, and you see, the thing is, I'm glad you brought up Kubel because I know a couple of weeks ago when we talked about him, you were kind of concerned, like, okay, what's he going to do? I think he's taking full advantage of this opportunity. He's actually looked pretty solid out there against um, against yeah, he, the against the Capitals. He looked pretty solid. He was getting scoring chances. He's got some speed. He's he's getting in the right spots to generate scoring chances. He's he's a good guy, a good play driver, but you can't rely on him. He's not gonna. No. He's not, you're not gonna get your point after point. He'll get you good chances, but he's not gonna put up points. I think the issue is with JVR is he's not really a fit right now for how the Flyers are constructed. Now, you get another decent center in here that can drive the play a little bit, that would work. But, you know, that's really, really tough to do considering the teams just don't give up good centers. And, look, with all due respect to Scott Lawton, Scott Lawton is the back end of your is the back end of your centers, meaning that he's more of your defensive style center. Kevin Hayes can play 200 feet. Sean Couturier can play 200 feet. Scott Lawton can play 100. Scott Lawton is not an offensive driver, Okay. I'm not going to get in here and analytics and all this stuff when I say play driving, but just watch him play. He's not going to generate a lot of scoring chances for you. He's just going to – he's really a guy to kill off penalties and make sure the puck doesn't go in your net. Right now, the problem is is that before they had balance with this bottom six, but because their bottom six is kind of ruffled in feathers right now, they, they don't really have anybody they can contribute – to get points. Tyler Pitlick's not going to do it as much as we like him. He plays aggressively. Connor Bunneman's not going to get you points. Joe Farabee, while he plays hard and skates hard and plays the game in four checks, he he's a rookie. He, you don't expect him to get a ton of points. Scott Lawton's the same thing. I, I don't know how JVR fits on that line right now because as they reported today, the lines today are going to be Giroux, Hayes, and TK. And then Raffle, Couturier, and Voracek with JVR, Scott Lawton, and Kubel. And then Farabee, Connor Bunneman, and Tyler Pitlick. There's not a whole lot of offense out of that bottom six right there. JVR is not going to be a guy who's going to play in his own back end very, very well. So it's not really a fit right now, which really means we're back to essentially a one-line scoring team. So that's a problem. Yeah, and we talked about last week about as much as Fletcher is trying to just pick out of this – out of his hat in the farm system with Morgan Frost, Philip Myers of the world, um, uh, Joel Farabee's of the world. It just seems like he's running out of options. And I was looking online tonight to, or today before the pod to see where the Flyers were standing in terms of trade deadline. And they had a couple scouts at the game against Tampa Bay last night. I believe the Sabres were there. Montreal was there. A few other teams. But it just seems like they're not connected to 
anybody. And and I know we have just over a month. of trade deadline, I think I saw, was February 24th of this year. So they have a little bit of time. There's It's not like they're... It's the nitty gritty, and they have to make a move, and they're 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 right now they're one point out, so they have to make a move. But I feel like we would have seen something by now, someone connected to the Flyers. And are you concerned at all? Because I'm a li- like we've already seen a couple trades. I think the Flyers, if they if Fletcher was really looking for making to making a move, I think we would have heard something. Now maybe because Shane got hurt and is out for the next couple weeks and might not even be back by the trade deadline. Hopefully he will be, but oh, oh he will be because it's it's a three week injury they said, or he'll be evaluated in three weeks. So I don't know. Their trade piece really right now is only Jake Voracek. Is that why he's not looking at anything? But I think it's odd. I don't think they're going to trade Voracek during the season as much as I think that that would be a benefit to this team. And don't get me wrong, it'll hurt in some fashion. Believe me, you. as much as I dog Voracek, you won't see the value of what he, did until he's, what he does until he's not here anymore. It's the truth. But at the same time, I think there's not as much good out of Voracek as there could be, and you could get something out of him. But the Flyers are in a little bit of a purgatory right now, and here's why. They're not Stanley Cup contenders with this roster. They're not. As of right now, okay, things could change. And what I mean by that is that Nolan Patrick comes back. They get a little deeper up the middle, which is huge, okay? Shane comes back healthy. Maybe he starts putting up points. Okay. Justin Braun comes back. And and speaking of which, Justin Braun was supposed to be the biggest piece of the penalty kill this year, and he's hurt. They, they killed off five for five on penalties against the Capitals, which is amazing. And they only gave up one goal against Tampa Bay. So I'm not sure if actually him in the lineup, out of the lineup, is actually a bad thing because they have not been playing poorly defensively. But come playoff time, you need that veteran guy who's been there. They have that Niskanen. They're going to need that in Braun at that time as well. But the point is, they're not. They're in a little bit of a gray word. Fletcher has to look at this from two ways. And I know I said last week, like, they need more offense. They need to go make a move. I still believe that. They need more scoring, whether it's a scoring winger or if they can find a center who can put up a decent amount of points, that would give a little more balance here. But I think there's two things going on here. One, they're on a wait and see with Nolan Patrick. The team needs to know where they're at with it. And secondly, they really need to find out, okay, what are they willing to give up for it? Do they think that they're ready enough to be able to spend a draft pick, a decent round draft pick, whether it's a second or a third, unless you're getting the world for you don't give up your first. And they're ready to give up a second or third for a decent talent with a guy with some term on here. What are they willing to give back? So that that's, that's one thing that Fletcher's got to balance. Another thing, too, besides the draft pick, is that where is your back end going to be at a certain time? Is Shane going to be your piece you need to move? How much different is it going to be? I think over the next three weeks, you'll try to find out if Philip Myers or Mark Friedman can fill up for the play driving that Shane Gossespear does. Now, look, we dog Shane Gossespear as well. Rightfully so. Shane is down in points. And if I look through here, he's got one point since December 17th. That's not going to get it done. And while he's essentially even, he's he's a plus player in that area, and but he's not getting the points. So... The idea is that am I going to pay $4.5 million for the next couple years for a guy, although he drives my play a little bit, he's not picking up the points. So they need to evaluate what's more valuable to them. Is it someone up front who can score more, or is it more of a play driver from your back end? It really is a toss-up. It could go both ways. I think a winger could help this team because Philip Myers, if he can get a little bit more going again like he did earlier in the season – 
he can replace that back in production, but you can't put that much pressure on the kids. So I, I think they need to do something, and I think something will come about, but I think that you're not going to start seeing the rumblings until they really find out exactly what they need, what they want to do. And you can't say, okay, we're going to go out and get a left wing and a defenseman at the trade deadline because, A, you got to find a willing partner, and, B, until – Really, until about mid-March, every team is still in it for the most part. So you're only going to get those bottom teams that are in rebuilds, and they're going to fleece you for it. So you got to be a little careful here. So Fletcher's been through this rodeo before. He knows what to do. It's just a matter of them identifying what they need, and once they do, they got to find out what they got to give up to get it and if it's worth it. Because is it going to really be worth it giving up you know, some sort of prospect or draft pick this year for someone who may or may not work out for you. It's, it's the risk with any trade, but they need to identify first what they need to do. Yeah, and I think to your point about waiting to see what they have, whether it, how bad is this knee injury to Gossespair, how bad are these migraines going to continue to last for Nolan Patrick, as you just said, it's purgatory right now because, yeah, you can probably measure how long a knee is going to take. That's not as difficult, especially if it's like just a sprain or something like that. A little bit, it sounded like it's a little bit more in depth because he had surgery to it. But with Nolan Patrick, it's risky because you anticipate him to be a contributing factor to this team day in and day out. He's suffering from these migraines. That's a head injury. It's tough to measure how bad a head injury is. So the closer you get to the trade deadline, the and the less you know about where Nolan Patrick sits. It's going to be tough for Fletcher to just say, I'm going to wait this out or uh, I got to make a move. And uh, and it's not to say that I think the team or the fans, I should say, is going to pressure uh, Fletcher to make a move. We saw that kind of in the Eagles case. Like I'll use the Eagles as a comparison with the firing of Mike Grow, the offensive coordinator. That was kind of like a, a, a fan pressure as well as just overall evaluation. I'm not in a position where I would think that Fletcher would say the fans are clamoring so hard that I need to make a move. I think the fans know where this team sits. They are not, as you said, a cup contender. They're not going to make a deep playoff run. They might get to the second round. They should get to the second round at this point because despite all these injuries, despite all this struggle, the flat, like 1-1-1 one, one, and one this week after a, a really tough, really, really tough West Coast trip, this team is still a a playoff contender, and they should be. They're right. They're right behind the the Florida Panthers right now for that that second wild card spot. Unfortunately, that probably means they would probably play a Tampa at the end of the year uh, because Tampa is surging despite losing to the Devils. Um, I I think that they should be a in Fletcher. I should say has to like this is a tough balance for a second year and first year general manager that he has to navigate. And thankfully, I think he has the benefit of the doubt with the fans. This isn't like with Ron Hextall uh, in terms of you've got to make a move now, otherwise we're going to turn on you, and that's exactly what happened. I think Fletcher has the benefit of the doubt with fans for now. If we're talking in two years from now, I think it's completely different. Mm-hmm. I, I 100% agree with you. And uh, the thing is, as well, is that they also have to look and see, okay, they internally might believe that this team is deep enough to make a run, but when you look at it, do you really think that this defense alone can stand up against a seven-game series against the Capitals? I don't think so. Your only favorable matchup would be for maybe Toronto, but you wouldn't see them till the third round anyway. I mean, Toronto's another point that I bring up because they're having a massive amount of problems as well. And I'll tell you what, 
Toronto might be a bit of a trade partner here for the Flyers, depending on how Gostaspear heals up. And here's why. They lost their top defenseman, Morgan Riley, for eight weeks today. That's a huge, huge loss for them. I mean, he's one of the tops in the league as well. At a value at $5 million a season, he is he's, he's out for the next eight weeks, and they are bare bones in that back-end cabinet. Because here's why. They have mismanaged their cap to the point where they're play, they're paying four guys almost $40 million. The cap is just under 80. Is it under? I believe it's just under 80. Yeah, it's like 78, 79 million, give or take. It's just under 80 million, and they cannot. They're they're in bad shape because Austin Matthews is making 11.6 million for until 2024. John Tavares is making 11 million. Mitch Marner's making almost 11 million, and William Nylander is making almost seven million. It's just it's it's craziness how they're paying 40 million to four guys. I mean. They're going to have to make a move to try to dump some salary. So if they're really stuck in a bad spot, Ghost might be a good trade for them, and they could pick up someone like William Nylander who can play both center and the wing, and that he's only 23. If you can house that salary, that would work. Going back to what I was saying is that I think that from from a fan perspective, the fans want to be to see the big splash, the big trade. They want to see the Fletcher make the moves to fix everything. The problem is guys around the league aren't ready to make that move as of yet because there's still enough in it. When it comes back to it, they need to look at this from a grand perspective and say, okay, where are we really going this season? They're, they're not going to pay a lot of money for a rental. They're just not going to do it. A guy with no one year left, of, you know, going to be a UFA at the end of the year, and you're going to pay, what, a second-round pick for maybe a guy who might give you 30 games and might give you a decent production and you're not going to be able to bring him back. That, that's what they have to evaluate right now. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see over the next couple of weeks of what happens. Pay attention to that Toronto situation because if there's a team that's going to need to wheel and deal, it's going to have to be Toronto. Kyle Dubas is going to have to make a move here in order to stay competitive because Toronto, I think right now, is third in the Atlantic. And yes. with losing their top defender and not having a backup goaltender, they're going to be in bad shape and worn down at the end of the year. So I, I would expect something to move there. And if there's a, there's a move to be made by getting a, a nice player like William Nylander, uh, y- you might have it available to you. And let me just say, if, they, if the Flyers can get William Nylander, that's the splash. That is a significant boost to this team. He already it would be one of the top production point guys on this team. He has 39 points on the season with 19 goals. Like, this guy would be a huge, huge upgrade to this offensive line, especially if Nolan Patrick is not coming back this season. And we're going to go at this point with the factor he's not coming back. I will say, compare. I brought up Ron Hextall earlier, a trade with Toronto under these circumstances is right up Ron Hextall's alley because he had that ability. He unloaded the Chris Pronger contract. He got rid of... All these players on the on he got the Flyers out of salary cap hell to put it mildly. Like the team was under a huge amount of weight of the cap space because of Paul Holmgren's contract. Whatever you want to blame, you can blame Ed Snyder for just being knee jerk reaction um, on how the team was back in those days. William Nylander is a perfect guy that this team would need right away. His his cap hit right now 
is just under $7 million. He makes $9 million, but the AVA or whatever it's called, uh, I forget what, the cap hit. AAV. AAV. Average annual value. Thank you. Is just under $7 million. So it's right there for the Flyers. They can make that work. As you said, Gossip Spears' cap hit is right around that $5 million, $4.5 million mark. There's something there that they should be. And I believe, I, I don't know this off the top of my head, I believe the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Philadelphia Flyers have a pretty decent like track record in terms of trade. I don't think there's a ton there, but there is a decent amount that makes something some juices going in terms of how this could go. But in terms of general manager, we also saw another shakeup. Real quick before we wrap up for the night, the Ra- the or excuse me, the, I almost said the Rangers. I wish it were the Rangers. They're probably next. <laughs> yeah, the Rangers are probably next. The New Jersey Devils, who had a quote-unquote self-deprecated or self-claimed historic offseason by tra- claiming the likes or getting the likes of P.K. Subban and Wayne Simmons, former Flyer, they fired their general manager, Ray Shiro, and everything has gone to hell. They have fired their coach earlier this year. Now Ray Shiro is out. Martin Brodeur might be the next general manager of this team. What the hell is going on in New Jersey? Thank God. It's a mess right now. Well, first of all, let me ask you this. Do you know who owns the New Jersey Devils? Oh, it's, uh, um, I, I can't believe I'm blanking on it. It's the guy, it's Neil Harris, not Neil Harris, but the guy that plays Josh Harris. He owns the Sixers as well. He owns the Sixers. He owns the Devils. I remember the big controversy because the controversy is still that the Sixers at some point are going to build a stadium in Camden, New Jersey, because the, Josh Harris does not want to stay in the Wells Fargo Center. But that's a different podcast. Oh, yeah. That's that's not ours. That's that's the rights to Ricky Sanchez. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. The only Sixers podcast. Yes. But anyway, the point is, at that, I saw that yesterday, and I was, like, floored. Because about, I want to say, a few weeks back, they fired their coach, John Hines. Now, another former Flyer coach was also canned right after our podcast last week, Peter Laviolette. Peter Laviolette was shown the door in Nashville after, I believe, five seasons, five or six seasons. Now, and John Hines was picked up by the Nashville Predators. The thing is about New Jersey, man, is that you have to think now that they're going into a full, absolute rebuild. Tom Fitzgerald is right now their interim GM. Martin Brodeur is actually now part of hockey operations where he was helping out. Brodeur actually worked with, uh, two seasons ago, worked with the St. Louis Blues, in hockey operations, he's now back in New Jersey. Martin Brodeur is the probably, I would say, up there as one of the best goaltenders of all time. Right there tied with Patrick Waugh, in my opinion. But that's oh, that's I another podcast with another day. I would agree. The best, the best we've seen, for most people who know from this era, people know Brodeur. But anyway, um, so they're in a bit of a mess right now. I think they're going full rebuild in a sense where they'll try to unload some assets. I I don't know what their cupboard looks like. I would have to assume it's thin. If they're getting rid of their GM like that after the, the what he pulled in the offseason, they just traded Taylor Hall. And that's a sign to me that they're in complete rebuild mode. They're going to build it all around Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer and see what happens there. So that's, that's going to just be a messy situation for a team that really should have been at, a, at the top of the league this season. So it's an, that's going to be an interesting scene to watch. I'm wondering if there's something there. I'd have to look at exactly the contract situation for some players. Like, put this out right now. If the Flyers are going to try and make a deal with the Devils, obviously it's a little bit more difficult because they're in con- or they're in division. 
the Flyers are not trading for Wayne Simmons. As you have alluded to, Wayne Simmons is completely past his prime. He would not help this team at all. He's only at 17 points this year. His offensive production is way down. So there's no way. They need to look at someone like I'm just rattling off here. Like Gusev, Nikere, Gusev. Maybe, well, Gusev, maybe. they just got this offseason. He's going to be a premier player. But just a matter of uh, – it, it's a matter of getting used to North American ice. So yeah. hey, he, he they acquired him in the offseason – I believe they got him from Colorado. I want to say I don't know why that's ringing a bell, uh, but they did pick him up during the during the off season. They have two good centers. They're gonna have Jack Hughes in about two years. He's gonna be a really star player. Nico Heischer's kind of taking a step back a little bit, but I think he was asked to be doing too much. He's gonna be a solid player in two years once they get the right coach in here. Once they reshuffle everything. Once they restock the cabinet, uh, that's gonna be a dangerous team in a couple of years. But I mean, hey. That means P.K. Subban, man. He's gone downhill a little bit as well. Yeah. Uh, but also, again, too, their goaltending situation was bad. Corey Schneider couldn't stop a beach ball, and he is in the AHL now with a, with a huge contract. So they're, they're just completely mismanaged right now. And the crazy thing is, too, don't be surprised if you see the same thing happen in Toronto in the offseason. I think that Kyle Dubas yeah. has completely destroyed their cap situation to the point where they have to unload a 23-year-old player just to become competitive again because they don't have a backup goaltender, they barely have any defense, and they're going to be outscoring teams, which means, guess what? You're going to get booted in the first round if you even make the playoffs at this point. So from going to firing their coach to having this mess of a salary cap, they're they're in big trouble too. So Jersey and Toronto are the two teams to watch. I think that you're right in a sense where Jersey's not going to make any moves in her inner division. They're so rare. It does not happen. If they do, they're normally happening during the offseason. Uh, it's not the days of old where they do that. I think that Jersey would probably ship to get assets for things maybe more of a of a playoff contender, a team that's ready to make that big splash. That's why P.K. Subban could be a little bit dangerous there. He's got a massive cap hit. I don't think Toronto could afford it. But the point is, is that they're going to be able to unload some stuff. They're going to full rebuild now. Uh, I, I'd be surprised to see otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to do it. I mean, while the Flyers play the Devils, or excuse me, they, uh, we were just talking about the Devils. Uh, I got Devils on my mind. Uh, they play Boston tonight. Then they go and they take on the St. Louis Blues in St. Louis, Montreal, and the Kings going into this week. And then we'll have a nice preview pod of the Pittsburgh Penguins game on the 21st. That's a Tuesday before the All-Star break. How do you feel this week? Real quick, point projection, what are we looking at here for you? Well, I mean... Let's see. They have possible eight points on the table. Oh, man, you're not going to like my answer. Six. Wow, that's really that's optimistic. I'm calling six points this week. I think Boston, although they've won three in a row, I think they're beatable. I think that Montreal finally just got off a of schneid, but I do think they're also beatable. And the Kings, you better not lose to the worst team in the West this time around. You, you had your chance a couple weeks ago to beat them. You, you got your asses kicked. You better beat them this time. There's no question on my mind. So St. Louis, though, I mean, St. Louis is just a much better hockey team. There's just there's no no comparison about it. If the Flyers pull two points out of their hat on that, I'll, I'll be very, very, very happy with that. Surprised I'll be it. But at the same time, I think St. Louis is an all-around good hockey team. 
Craig Berube, man, my hat goes off to him. The fact that he was able to come in here, have the interim tag, and still won the Stanley Cup with it, man, that's that's fantastic. So uh, good for them. They're they're actually a very very good hockey team. So no, I don't I don't think they beat St. Louis. I really don't. But they should be able to beat Boston. Probably lose against St. Louis and then win the next two heading into Pittsburgh next week. Yeah, I think it's the same as what was this week. Four, uh, 50% conversion rate. They're going to get four points at most out of this. I like. There's nothing that tells me that this team is going to be solid def- offensively right now. Going into tonight against Boston, I don't know how th- where the production is right now. There's too much missing. Shane Gossespierre, albeit he is was not living up to the standards of what he was two years ago, his rookie year, however long ago, the, the offensive production is still needed from him if they want to really stay competitive. And Nolan Patrick, Oscar Lindblom, as we talked about, Shane Gossespierre, TK is the only guy that's playing at a consistent level, it seems. So I just I, I don't feel good about where this offense is right now going into tonight against Boston and throughout this week. Besides Montreal and, and, and L.A., there's nothing that tells me they have a, a chance at beating. I, I shouldn't say that. They always have a chance because it's the NHL. But it's just not all there for me right now. I'm getting worried for this team, but we'll see how it goes, especially because they have Pittsburgh coming up right before the All-Star break, and that's always good because they always seem to come up against Pittsburgh, and that's that, that'll help them, hopefully. Don't be afraid. Don't If you're scared, <laughs> get a dog. Don't be one of those guys. Look, they went 1-1-1 one, one, and one last week. It's something to build off of. They came back against Carolina. They beat the best team in the NHL, okay, and yeah. they lost by one goal to the hottest team in the league, and they only allowed one goal to the hottest team in the league. So if you're worried about something, man, I don't know what you're worried about. But to me, that's actually that's a solid, solid week right there. That's why I'm saying they're going to get six points this week. They're going to start getting some W's, start clitting some points, and they're going to climb into the standings. Because tell you what, come next month, man, it's going to get more and more and more wicked. After this All-Star break happens, that's when you're going to start seeing the juices turned up. You're going to start seeing more playoff-style hockey. Florida is not going anywhere. They're going to be in the playoffs. Toronto's going to have some challenges. That'll be fun to watch them. A lot of good hockey coming up. So people who say this is the doldrums and the, and, the, and the dark part and the doldrums of the season, this is the best part because this is when it starts to ramp up. 100%. I just wish the Flyers were not done the season series against Toronto. That would have been fun to see. No, I'm glad they're done. Absolutely. Oh, really? You know, at the least amount of time you can play against Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, <laughs> believe me, you don't want anything to do with that. I just wanted to see how it would – just a good measuring stick game, and especially with these injuries, it would be nice to see where the Flyers are. But either way, I digress. The season's over – that season series over, so what's the point of this discussion? Nothing at all. Thank you for listening, as always. This is Orange and Backcheck, episode 13. Like us on Facebook, Orange and Backcheck. Like us on Twitter – follow us on Twitter, as always, Orange and Backcheck. By the way, it's Monday night. The national championship tonight is. If you're not taking LSU five and a half, I hope you did. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, you and I are rolling in some dough because hammer that five and a half line for LSU. The pump up videos alone have been extremely just like this is this team is going to come in here. Joe Burrow is going to absolutely dominate in the in the in the Mercedes Benz Dome. I hope you took it. That is gonna do it. Oh, I hate you.
I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. <laughs> Wait, well, I thought we were a hockey podcast. What are we talking about college football for? Hey, I'm giving some betting advice. What can I say? Fair enough. That's I'll take it. it. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. This is Bill Kornfeld for Scott Weinhardt. Have a good week. Bet LSU. Oh, man.